It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Rob, and this is the Max to my Grinch, Alan. Alan, how are you? Oh, 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 Rob, it's it's been a long year, but I've been watching you the whole time. <laughs> oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have bought that Alan on the shelf. <laughs> it would come back to haunt me. Oh, 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 I'm keeping an eye open all the time. <laughs> I'm Wi-Fi connected. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you cover yourself up with a comforter. I know what's happening. <laughs> Oh, I am horrified. Well, as uh, you may have guessed from Alan's introduction of himself, uh, this week is our very special Interrupted Tales Fabulous Fun Time Holiday Interruptaganza Volume 2. And that means you're going to get not one, not two, but three frosty holiday tales from three different amazing magazines uh, that span from 1909 to 1921. That's right. Quantity over quality. We're doing it. <laughs> we are doing it. So. Wait, got- the other way. Nope. Nope. Quantity. Quality. <laughs> Wait, quantity over quality. What did I say? I did. I don't know. They They sound very alike. They do sound very alike. The important thing is you're going to get three for the price of one today. Mm, That's a BOGO-GO. (laughs) So why don't we get started with our first story? No, it's a no (laughs) BOGO-GO. No BOGO-GO? You don't have to BOGO-GO. It's it's all free. It's a no BOGO-GO. It's a throw-go-go. Wait, no. BO-throw-go. I could go for some bulgogi, sure. <laughs> well, uh, I hope that uh, people will enjoy our first tale, uh, which is a little thing called The Joy of the Season by Margaret E. Sangster. It's from Photoplay Magazine, the January 1921 issue. And now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a frosty drink of nog while we read you this week's tale. Every year, I forget how long that goes on. The- <laughs> really? I was waiting for that to end forever. <laughs> the spirit of Christmas stood in the middle of the street and blew upon his cold fingers. All right, all right. Who wants some three-card money? Little action, folks. Come on. You look like a betting man. How about a little Christmas spirit for the Christmas spirit, eh? That's what he sounds like, the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> He's fallen on hard times, Alan. All about him searched crowds, expensively dressed holiday crowds. But the spirit of Christmas felt very lonely, even in the midst of them. He then went home and listened to the Smiths for hours while smoking clove cigarettes. Mm. He's so lonely. Maybe he likes Charmed. (laughs) He's going to go home, order up (laughs) some Domino's. (laughs) Not the the remake, though. He's an old school Charmed fan. Well, original sisters? Oh, of course. Okay. He wondered, and his eyes were filled with a vague wistfulness, if the city had changed, or if his viewpoint had changed, for it seemed to him that the people who passed him by were strangely sophisticated, strangely lacking in the joy of the season. You know, Alan, uh, scholars argue about the true date of the start of the war on Christmas. Oh, is that right? Yeah, conventional wisdom says it's when the U.S. government outlawed the possession and ownership of all Christmas trees and rounded up all mall Santas to serve in re-education camps in 1994. Oh, 94, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I personally think it started with the California Raisins Christmas special. It was a, it was a dark time for all of us. I think it ended with the California Raisin <laughs> Christmas special. <laughs> the women shoppers seemed over eager and curiously unsmiling. 
The men hurried frantically, and their lips were set in hard, straight lines. The rich people, as always, threw change at the regular people from the windows of their cars. Yeah, but, like, nickels. You know, it's Christmas. Maybe a dime or two. They're rich. They're not sheiks. It's the old saying, you don't get rich by throwing away dimes. You know? Is that what the saying is? That's uh, yeah. Scrooge McDuck. His number one, I didn't throw away this dime. Yes, number one. <laughs> hey, and who's more relevant on uh, Christmas Eve than Scrooge McDuck? Hey, he had, he had his own little uh, Christmas carol, right? I mean, I think he just played Scrooge <laughs> in anything with Scrooge because his name was Scrooge. Oh, that's where they got it from. Uh, also, his rival was a very offensive Scottish stereotype, <laughs> which as a kid kind of passed me by. <laughs> yeah, I never realized it either. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Santa Claus figures ringing bells at every street corner looked tired and faded in their white beards and red coats. Indeed, the whole world looked tired and faded. No wonder the spirit of Christmas was lonely. Well, even the spirit of late Wednesday afternoon stopped inviting him to his gift-wrapping party. Too much of a downer, he said. Oh, that's sad. And also, that really helps the wrapping go by quicker when you're (laughs) drunk. (laughs) There's something wrong, he told himself gloomily. There's something very wrong. Why aren't these men dressed like Jesus instead of the side of a Coca-Cola ad? (laughs) Whoops. Uh, (laughs) Boy, you turn around for a couple decades and suddenly it's all different. (laughs) I'm just going to say that when you're standing by a bucket ringing a bell dressed like Jesus, you get a lot less people giving you change. (laughs) A lot fewer people. Folk are too rushed nowadays to enjoy themselves. They're too busy to get any real pleasure out of life. Once, and it wasn't so very long ago, people used to have a good time. But now all they ever think about is the making of money and the spending of it. Well, I guess I'll have to go back to college to help these people learn to relax. Alan, cue the Kenny Loggins. Um. Ah, uh, no. Oh, <laughs> shh. I'll get it. I'll get it next time. A little slum child with a small pinched face and weary eyes shuffled past. The spirit of Christmas followed her with his pitying gaze. Can you imagine? It's just like a real exciting scene in Top Gun. <laughs> the shirts are off. The ball volleyballs are flying. <laughs> uh, negative ghost rather. The pattern is full. And then suddenly a resolution came to him. Oh man, this looks creepy. Note to self, stop following children. I believe, he said slowly, that I will go into the homes of the people. Perhaps in their homes I will find the joy of the season. Yep, nothing like a little break in and entering to really warm the heart. It's actually pretty much Santa's whole thing. He's, he's more about warming cockles, though. I love a nice warm cockle. Any cockles you got. <laughs> I'm ready to warm them. <laughs> and, and with something of a smile on his lonely face, the spirit of Christmas followed the slum child. Down into the east side he went, following the child. It's a good thing I wore my trench coat, big hat, and sunglasses so that no one... No, no, spirit of Christmas, no. As he went, his smile died. Died almost before it had a chance really to live. For all about him was turmoil and confusion and poverty. All about him, folk were dashing hither and thither in their struggle for existence. Oh, no. I didn't expect the button-down five o'clock world. I better start handing out some wine coolers. Quick! Kind of makes you feel like the spirit of Christmas is a bit of a dick for interrupting people as they try to exist. I know. He's like, why aren't you celebrating Christmas? What, you're trying to eat? 
Uh, I'm working a 96-hour shift, dick. <laughs> I'm nine. I have three jobs. <laughs> What's your problem? And four of them are in coal mines. <laughs> when the child that he was following entered the doorway of a dingy tenement, he went in after her, but he went hopelessly. He only needed one glance at the room that she walked in to know that he would not find the joy of the season there. His first clue was the menorah in the window. Oh, yep. We're, that's wait. a big one. Wait, that's racist, the spirit thought. God, I hate this job. For the room was filled with anxious, tired people. A mother and three little children, who worked feverishly at a great box of artificial flowers. The spirit of Christmas saw that their listless fingers were constructing the leaves of an artificial holly, the petals of great velvet poinsettias. And he sighed as he turned away. I never really cared for Job. I will go, he said to himself, into a home where wealth lives. And there, perhaps, I will find the joy of the season. For I cannot find it here. Plus, I really need to make a stop at the little spirit's room. And I'm not going in that coffee cup in the corner. W what? They're very poor. It's like they can't afford a pot to piss in, Alan. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a coffee mug. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he swung about as the child that had followed sat down with a sigh and took up a sheaf of scarlet petals. Poor and unloved, just as the spirit of Christmas intended. Well, my work is done here. I've really cheered the whole fucking thing up. Quickly, for an immortal does not have to wait for subways and cars and traffic regulations and porta-potties. <laughs> the spirit of Christmas whirled himself away to a street of great mansions and limousines and butlers and French governesses who uh, we all know are the best kind of governesses. Oh, the good life. Enough of this trash. I want to see how the swells live. And before very long, he had entered through the keyhole of a huge white granite house Ooh. and was standing on the threshold of a gorgeous drawing room, a splendid place that was softly lighted with rose-colored lights. Well, of course that room's going to look nice if you're using rose-colored lights. And they're so much more convenient than glasses, too. Uh, yeah, but are they energy efficient? <laughs> this, this is 1921, Alan. Of course everybody likes rose-colored lights, but it only makes sense to switch to rose-colored LEDs. Alan, it's 1921. They're lucky the building is not currently on fire. No, of course not. They had a lot of asbestos in the walls. <laughs> true, true. And he was not alone, for a mother and her three grown daughters were seated there, having tea together. And as they sipped the amber liquid from cups of fragile china... They talked in bored tones. Hmm. That sounds like 95% of an episode of Vanderpump Rules. Oh. Uh, um, not that I know what 95% of an episode of Vanderpump Rules is, Alan. Uh, are they more important than the Cider House rules? Or, like, <laughs> yeah. if you were a robot, which, which set of rules would you have to obey first? Well, it, it, there's, it's in order, just like okay. the rules of laws of robotics. It goes Cider House rules. Mm-hmm. Vanderpump rules. Mm -hmm. Van Wilder rules. And then Van Wilder rules, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a logical progression, of course. These holidays are such a nuisance. All of the children are home from school, and the house is quite overrun with them. Children do clutter up a house. I suppose that we'll have to prepare a tree for them. Perhaps give a party. What a bother. Ugh, soon they'll be asking for hugs and shoes. It's... Simply the worst. The daughter grimaced her displeasure. And the mother answered, saying, Yes, the holidays always annoy me, too. I have to buy so many gifts for the people that I don't in the least care about. Like that annoying cousin, or who are those dirty people always running around scrounging for an existence? Ah, yes, the poors. Buying things to donate to the, is the absolute pits. Yes, and of course, the, that other set of people that are always bugging me. What are they called? Oh, my daughters. <laughs> I 
I wish that the holidays had never been invented. And that's when a magical spring appeared and showed her how terrible life would be without springs. Oh, no. Come on. I mean, Christmas springs, Alan. Oh, holiday. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Your your tree doesn't have one. Okay. Yeah, sure. And the spirit of Christmas left hurriedly. For he knew that he could not find the joy of the season there. Oi, these rich dames. Oof. Wonder how the spirit is at the bars this time of night. Uh, beer-colored lights. Let me tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> I will go back to the street that I started from, he said as he left. I will go back with all hope taken from my heart. Or, you know, go to Tahiti. Oh. See how they do things there. Maybe drink some yes. fruity drinks, you know, some kind of spirit gets his groove back kind of thing. Yeah, grab a couple Miami Vices and head on down to Hedonism 2. Just that you'll get you'll get something back. Hey, I mean, if the spirit's robes are hanging from the doorknob, do not go in. All right. It's the only rule, man. And so the spirit of Christmas went back to the crowded street and stood, a lonely, unseen figure, in the throng. Like the guy dressed like Shrek in Times Square. Oh, that's Shrek. No. <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough couple years. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean Mike Meyer. I mean Shrek. I mean actual Shrek. He's yeah. it's rough. It was twilight now, and lights were flashing across the city. And as he stood there, it seemed to him that somewhere among those lights, there must be some joy, some unhurried, peaceful happiness. Oh, no, sorry. Um, that place was bought by hipsters and turned into a vegan barbecue place a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, that, that joy's gone. Well, it's a good idea, you know, because everything tastes like barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah, a little, little Satan. Uh, is, that, is that how you say it? Satan? That's that's how we in the know say Satan burgers, impossible burgers. Yeah, I've seen those everywhere. Unfathomable burgers. Have you had one of those? I know. They grow an entire cow out of plants. (laughs) Wow! And let it live its entire life cycle. Can you milk it? Can you fathom milking it? Think I can, but I can't fathom. Well, then it's not unfathomable, is it? (laughs) Damn it! Damn your logic. Across the street from him, a great hotel teemed with restless people. Ooh, I bet are full of interesting personalities and backstories that we can really dig into. Oh, we don't go into the hotel? We're stuck with emo Santa here? It's a great hotel, not a grand hotel, Rob. (sighs) Man, I wanted songs. There's a musical version of Grand Hotel. What? Is there? Yeah, yeah. Grand Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on now. You can't just sing the words Grand Hotel (laughs) and convince me there's a musical. (laughs) There is a musical version of Shrek. Shrek's an ogre. (laughs) Wait, is Shrek not a musical? It's got that Uh, uh, that Smash Mouth song. (laughs) That counts. Which one are you talking about, Ruff? (laughs) Body once told me the world is gonna roam. Yep. That's the one. (laughs) Behind him, a huge dance hall glittered and scintillated. At his right, a department store was closing its doors, and its underpaid employees swarmed like tired ants upon the pavement. Like the insects they were. How dare people try to scrape by for a few cents, get in the way of this guy's soul searching. I'm not sure this is coming across the way Margaret E. Sangster thought it would. Nope. I think she thought this was going to be a story about the real spirit of Christmas instead of the spirit of Christmas ignoring anybody with any kind of needs whatsoever. I mean, I, I feel kind of like it's the fountainhead but it took place at Christmas, so they called it a Christmas story. Like Die Hard? No, like Gremlins. <laughs> Fair enough. And at his left, a little theater with a gay sign in front of it twinkled out a warm invitation. The sign said, Our heater works. Nice, nice. <laughs> Nothing oh warmer. my God, what a fantastic place. You guys are almost as good as the theater with air conditioning. <laughs> almost. It was toward the theater that the spirit of Christmas turned finally. 
but his steps lagged and his eyes were hopeless. And even as he went in at the doorway, he shrugged his shoulders. Yes, one senior citizen for it's a wonderful life, I guess. I've got to get out of this dreary story. What? ID? I'm 5,000 years old. I don't have any... I. Oh, wait, will you take a Costco membership card? This is an unrated movie. Uh... <laughs> oh, well, I just want the discount. Also, it was very unpopular in its uh, opening release, so yes. I'm not sure that you actually would have gone to see it. But it also came out in the summer, so, you know, yeah. uh, a good 20 years after this story. But no, yes, we do accept Costco membership cards. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It was a moving picture theater, warm and cozy and dimly lighted, that the spirit of Christmas entered. He noticed half-heartedly that the long rows of seats were filled with contented people. <laughs> Fuck them, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Come on, more yeah. of the contented people? Good well, lord. Had it up to here. That all eyes were fastened upon the screen. And then he himself sank into a vacant place and folded his hands. Ah, uh, perhaps this new Hoot Gibson picture will raise my spirit. Eh? Spirit? I, I do have fun. I don't know what a Hoot Gibson is. It's uh, about five foot eight and uh, was famous for a couple years. That's a Tim Conway. <laughs> Curiously enough, there in the dimness, he felt something that might have been peace stealing over him. Unfortunately, it turned out to be Fred Willard taking the seat next to him. <laughs> he noticed from beneath drowsily lowered lids that a child sat on one side of him. Uh, this is just a homeless guy who's sleeping in a theater now, right? That's what the, that's what the spirit of Christmas is. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, all right, it's a well, modern, it's, very modern spirit. Of I'm Christmas. glad he's keeping warm. So, okay, that an old man was seated upon his other side. He noticed that the audience was neither rich nor poor that all classes seemed to be joined together by a common bond of interest, quite apart from money or the lack of money. And also, the common bond of interest, quite apart from money or the lack of money, except for, of course, the money for their ticket, which separates them from the people who are not watching the movie. Yeah, notice who's not here? Dirty poor kids. He noticed that the young and old thrilled to the story unfolding upon the screen course almost without realizing it the spirit of christmas began to follow the story it was a tale of simple love well told and well acted take it from the good people at photo play nothing makes one happier than a night at the movies <laughs> i do like me some photo plays it's uh, rare to get an actual story out of these it interested him and don't forget the popcorn <laughs> As most stories do, wow, they're so well produced these days. And Why didn't I come here first? It, it, <laughs> of course I was going to find happiness at the movies. He found himself leaning forward when the rest of the audience did. He found himself laughing with the rest. Come see Harold Lloyd sweep the charming Mildred Davis off her feet in Haunted Spooks in theaters now. <laughs> well, that uh, I was very depressed earlier, but uh, this haunting is, is quite amusing. <laughs> and suddenly, almost without realizing it, he was no longer lonely. He had found the joy of the season. And don't forget the Twizzlers and large Coca-Cola. Merry Christmas, weirdos who see movies on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas afternoon like good Christians. All right, Spirit. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to have to ask you to leave now. <laughs> You've stayed in well past the double feature. No, I, I just need to watch the 20 one more time. That Maria Menounos really knows how to No, talk. Spirit of Christmas. Thank you. Yeah, what a twist. Who saw it coming? It was, it was all about the movie. I'm Mary Pickford. <laughs> United Artists bring you this story from Photoplay Magazine. Artists so good, they d hang out together. 
I'm I'm glad finally we have an answer to the question of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. All movies are Christmas movies. <laughs> That's right. Damn it. If I'm watching Godzilla on Christmas Day, it's a Christmas movie. You want to read me a story, maybe? You know what? I think that sounds like an excellent idea, Alan. Uh, I'm going to read a little story called Little Piccola. And it's suggested, just suggested, by one of Celia Thaxter's poems. And it comes from the book Christmas Stories and Legends from 1916. I think the implication is that she wrote the rough outline of the story in a poem. But she also might have just said... Hey, somebody should write a story called Little Piccola. <laughs> Maybe the poem was And that. rhyme that somehow. Yeah. Roses are red, violets are blue. Write a story about Italy or I'll stalk you. Poetry. Storytelling is a real strengthening spirit bath. A quote by... Froebel. <laughs> Piccola lived in Italy, where the oranges grow, and where all the year the sun shines warm and bright. I suppose you think Piccola a very strange name for a little girl, but in her country it was not strange at all, and her mother thought it was the sweetest name a little girl ever had. This is before Moon Unit was born, so it was really a game changer back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't, you're not meeting a lot of Northwests in old Italy. Uh, there weren't any absides back then. <laughs> Piccolo. Abscesses, but not absides. <laughs> a lot of abscesses. Oof. Oof. Piccolo had no kind father, no big brother or sister, and no sweet baby to play with and love. Uh, she actually had all of them. They were just real assholes. <laughs> so they weren't kind. Just well, not big. They were tiny. They were tiny little and assholes. And they weren't sweet. <laughs> Man, that baby sucked. <laughs> she and her mother lived all alone in an old stone house that looked on a dark, narrow street. They were very poor. And the mother was away from home almost every day, washing clothes and scrubbing floors and working hard to earn money for her little girl and herself. That's right. Every day she hustling, you know, for the skrilla. <laughs> the skrilla. The skrilla. So you see, Piccola was alone a great deal of the time. And if she had not been a very happy, contented little child, I hardly know what she would have done. You know what? I was going to name her Red Foo originally, actually. <laughs> I had changed my mind. <laughs> she had no playthings, except a heap of stones in the backyard that she used for building houses. That sounds a little more like day labor than playtime. <laughs> That's true. How big are these stones? And honestly, how, how good is her craftsmanship? I don't know. Uh, I think you add some thin set mortar and uh, she's got a craft ahead of her. Yeah, it's never going to make it through the war, though. That's a problem. Oh, well. Too soon. <laughs> what, what year we got? I don't know. That's a good point. And a very old, very ragged doll that her mother had found in the street one day. I wanted to get you a cabbage patch, kid, but uh, we're too poor for cabbages. <laughs> this one. It's a, it's a broken brickhead, kid. It's, it's all the rage in America. <laughs> Yeah, it's got an elaborate backstory that I wrote in chalk on on her head. Uh, but there was a small round hole in the stone wall at the back of her yard. It, it sounds like a, the beginning of a very, very different story. What? <laughs> and her greatest pleasure was to look through that into her neighbor's garden. Oh, man, and those gnomes, they do some <laughs> wild stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially those Sherlock gnomes. Yeah, they'll, they get into oh, some well, misadventures. No. <laughs> hey, have you seen Gnomeo and Juliet? Uh, no, I'm, I'm a person. <laughs> Excuse me. No, I have senses. When she stood on a stone and put her eyes close to the hole, 
She could see the green grass in the garden and smell the sweet flowers and even hear the water splashing into the fountain. Yeah, she smelled the flowers and heard the water splashing with her eye. <laughs> I feel like synesthesia was probably underreported in, in her day. Yeah, she's like, hey, why, why doesn't everybody else smell red? She had never seen anyone walking in the garden, for it belonged to an old gentleman who did not care about grass and flowers. One day in the autumn, her mother told her that the old gentleman had gone away and had rented his house to a family of little American children who had come with their sick mother to spend the winter in Italy. When the old man had moved to a farm in Tuscany where he could frolic all day long, <laughs> just running amongst the grapevines and... With an orange, with a slice of orange in his mouth. <laughs> Oranges and uh, Pecorino Romano and... Chicken a little limoncello and... And all the grappa he could make in a basement distillery. <laughs> and he definitely wasn't dead. After this, Piccolo was never lonely. For all day long, the children ran and played and danced and sang in the garden. It was several weeks before they saw her at all and I'm not sure they ever would have done so, but one day the kitten ran away, and in chasing her, they came close to the wall and saw Piccola's black eyes looking through the hole in the stones. I see you. <laughs> it's all for you, American kids. It's all Piccolo for you. you. <laughs> oh, finally, our ASMR horror podcast is starting. Come through the fence. We've got Funyuns. Well, I don't. <laughs> so, they're American kids. They're coming through. Sure. They were a little frightened at first. It did not speak to her. But the next day she was there again, and Rose, the oldest girl, went up to the wall and talked to her a little while. So... Looking through a fence, eh? <laughs> yeah, you know, a friend of mine likes to look through a fence. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he comes by every day and looks through the fence. But uh, I don't like fences much, you know. <laughs> when the children found that she had no one to play with and was very lonely, they talked to her every day and often brought her fruits and candies and passed them through the hole in the wall. It's like a dimension door to the elemental plane of candy. <laughs> just like Cyclops' eyes. If you just reach in, you can pull out candy. Yeah, I believe in the cosmology that uh, if, you, if you go through Planescape... Uh, <laughs> let's forget that. Let's move past that. One day, they even pushed the kitten through. But the hole was hardly large enough for her, and she mewed and scratched and was very much frightened. Uh, so they pushed harder. Jesus, come on. Get it through there. Throw <laughs> a little gumption, Let's have kids. a little effort. <laughs> After that, the little boy said he would ask his father if the hole might not be made larger, and then mm. Piccolo could come in and play with them. Uh, okay, I, I just want to state a fact. Mm -hmm. uh, their houses have... Doors. Doors, you say? <laughs> They're not prisoners tunneling through an adjacent cell. Hey, Dad, can we make a doggy door in the fence for the lonely girl next door? Well, I don't see any other alternative. <laughs> Maybe this is a dystopian tale of the far future, Alan. And then you find out they're all rats in a maze. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The father had found out that Piccola's mother was a good woman and that the little girl herself was sweet and kind, so that he was very glad to have some of the stones broken away and an opening made for Piccola to come in. Sure, sure, screw the fence. What's the old man going to do, follow us to America and sue us? I mean, we're ratters. <laughs> yeah, go call Airbnb, jackhole. Hey, Airbnb does not appreciate that language <laughs> being used around customer service. No, they will ban you for that quickly. How excited she was, and how glad the children were when she first stepped into the garden. She wore her best dress, a long, bright-colored woolen skirt, and a white waist. Oh, very nice. Business casual. 
You can wear it to a board meeting or a kitten squashing, whatever is on your calendar. <laughs> Let's see. We've got snack time, circle mm-hmm. time, kitten squashing time. Sorry, I've got a four o'clock here on the calendar where you're meant to pinch a little dog. <laughs> Should I cancel that or? Oh, nope. No. Nope. That's, that's important. We better keep that on there. Round her neck was a string of beads, and on her feet were little wooden shoes. It would seem very strange to us, would it not, to wear wooden shoes? But Piccola and her mother had never worn anything else, and never had any money to buy stockings. Piccola almost always ran about barefooted, like the kittens and the chickens and the little ducks. What a good time they had that day, and how glad Piccola's mother was that her little girl could have such a pleasant, safe place to play in while she was away at work. Yeah, such affordable daycare and an amazing curriculum. Uh, she'll be duck watching on a third grade level in no time. <laughs> She's already- Who can argue with that educational system? She's way ahead of her peers when it comes to sticking kittens through holes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way above. <clears throat> by and by, December came, and the little Americans began to talk about Christmas. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> One day, when Piccola's curly head and bright eyes came peeping through the hole in the wall, and they ran to her and helped her in. I really hope it doesn't turn out that the American kids are witches and are fanning her up with candy and cheeseburgers so she can't fit and go back home ever. Although, you know, maybe that's how Italian Christmas is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a lot of their legends and folktales. No, I mean they're actual Christmases. Oh, of course. No, no, there's lots of fattening and up eating, eating of children. I, I learned that from an episode of Let's Go Luna. And as they did so, they all asked her at once what she thought she would have for a Christmas present. A Christmas present? said Piccola. Why, what is that? All the children looked surprised at this. And Rose, rather gravely, said, Dear Piccola, do you not know what Christmas is? Oh, yes. Piccola knew it was a happy day when the baby Christ was born, and she'd been to church on that day and heard the beautiful singing, and had seen the picture of the babe lying in the manger, with cattle and sheep sleeping round about. And she heard the priest mention all the new faces he saw (laughs) to scold everyone for only coming on Christmas and maybe Easter. Every time. Every time they do that. And it gets a laugh, so, you know, he's going to keep it in. Oh, yes, she knew all that very well. But what was a Christmas present? (laughs) Really? I've never heard of that. What's a Columbus Day present? It's a fucking present you get on Columbus Day. You never got one? So what? It's fucking explained in the title of the words you're saying. It's right there. A present you get on Christmas. What is this present you humans call Christmas present? Can I speak to someone else from your civilization? (laughs) Then the children began to laugh. Is there maybe a manager for your species? (laughs) Can I speak to someone higher on the food chain, please? (laughs) Then the children began to laugh and answer her altogether. There was such a clatter of tongues that she could only hear a few of the words now and then, such as chimney, Santa Claus, stockings, reindeer, Christmas Eve. Candies and toys. Hatchimals. Chinese food. And of course, Krampus. Oh, Krampus. Piccola put her hands over her ears and said, Oh, I can't understand one word. You tell me, Rose. Then Rose told her all about jolly Santa Claus, with his red cheeks and white beard and fur coat, and about his reindeer and sleigh full of toys. Every Christmas Eve, said Rose, He comes down the chimney and fills the stockings of all the good children. So, Piccola, you hang up your stocking, and who knows what a beautiful Christmas present you will find when morning comes. Of course, Piccola thought this was a delightful plan and was very pleased to hear about it. Oh, it's a wonderful thing called toy socialism, where Santa redistributes the toy wealth to children based on their devotion to the nice party. (laughs) You are registered with the nice party, aren't you? It's a very Mussolini Christmas. Mm. All the children told her of every Christmas Eve they could remember. 
and of the presents they had had, so that when she went home thinking of nothing but dolls and hoops and balls and ribbons and marbles and wagons and kites, she told her mother about Santa Claus, and her mother seemed to think that perhaps he did not know that there was any little girl in that house, and very likely he would not come at all. Uh, no, don't worry. She's on the watch list. Santa's very deep into border surveillance. Deep. He's deep. got deep. a lot eyes in the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. He outsourced that naughty list to uh, the good folks at Blackwater a long time ago. Yep, the many, many good folks. <laughs> but Piccola felt very sure Santa Claus would remember her for her little friends had promised to send a letter up the chimney to remind him. Fly, little letter, fly. Oops, it's burning well. The smoke is definitely <laughs> flying. Yes, children, yes. See, Santa smells the smoke, and he knows what you wrote to him. Yes, he gains power from it. Maybe next time you could send a lamb or something a little more substantial for <laughs> Santa. <laughs> or he will smite the other crops. Christmas Eve came at last. Piccola's mother hurried home from her work. They had their little supper of soup and bread, and soon it was bedtime. Time to get ready for Santa Claus. That's right. You get that one last nice gesture in. Hey, Mom, does it count if I run the dishwasher on already clean dishes? Okay, well, I'm going to refold the laundry then. <laughs> uh, but oh, Piccola remembered then for the first time that the children had told her she must hang up her stocking, and she hadn't any, and neither had her mother. How sad, how sad it was! Now Santa would come and perhaps be angry because he couldn't find any place to put the present. Well, okay, all right. To be fair, a kid with an incomplete understanding of Santa's mythology has every right to be scared as hell of what a guy who breaks in through the <laughs> chimney might do. This is a very, very good point. Like, I could absolutely see him get angry. If you don't know anything, what's he going to do then? I'm going to fuck shit up. <laughs> no stocking, are you? Well, at least she left some cookies out for What the hell? I'm flipping this table. <laughs> the poor little girl stood by the fireplace, and the big tears began to run down her cheeks. Oh, yeah, that's where the Christmas song came from. Big tears mean nothing when you're lying in your coffin. It... <laughs> Excuse me? That's a popular Christmas song. Popular, huh? Yeah, everybody knows it. Just then, her mother called to her. Hurry, Piccola. Come to bed. What should she do? But she stopped crying and tried to think. And in a moment she remembered her wooden shoes and ran off to get one of them. She put it close to the chimney and said to herself, Surely Santa Claus will know what it's here for. He will know I haven't any stockings. So I gave him this shoe instead. Unless he mistakes it for a poorly carved miniature boat. <laughs> or perhaps a bread roll of some kind. Ooh, that's a crusty roll. <laughs> Santa's going to be really pissed. Then she went off happily to her bed and was asleep almost as soon as she had nestled close to her mother's side. So not so much her bed, but their bed. Got it. Yep. The sun had only just begun to shine next morning when Piccola awoke. With one jump, she was out on the floor and running toward the chimney. The wooden shoe was lying where she had left it, but you could never, never guess what was in it. A hippopotamus. Yay! What a Christmas miracle. <laughs> well, now the question is, did the shoe get very large? <laughs> or did the hippopotamus get Yeah, I think they got it, Rob. Well, I just wanted to start. No, I think they knew where that was going. They, um, they had a good sense of the two possibilities. Just wanted to explain and how, be a part of the fun. Stop fucking up Christmas. Wow, it really does feel like Christmas in here now. <laughs> Piccola had not meant to wake her mother, but this surprise was more than any little girl could bear, and yet be quiet. So she danced to the bed with the shoe in her hand, calling, Mother, mother, look, look, see the present Santa Claus brought to me. Her mother raised her head and looked into the shoe. Why, Piccola, she said, a little chimney swallow nestling in your shoe? What a good Santa Claus to bring you a bird. And not 
stockings, which you obviously desperately need, but uh, another mouth to feed. A great choice, Santa. What what number is birds in the... Uh, what numbers do those take up in the 12 days of Christmas? You got uh, turtle doves. Uh-huh. You got swans. You got some partridges, yeah. You got some partridges. Uh-huh. That's yeah, a lot of birds. But hey, it could feed Piccola and her mother for a long time. Good Santa Claus, dear Santa Claus, cried Piccola. And she kissed her mother, and kissed the bird, and kissed the shoe, and even threw kisses up the chimney, she was so happy. Mwah, mwah. And you get one too, Mr. Cockney Chimney Sweep. Mwah. <laughs> oh. When the birdling was taken out of the shoe, they found that he did not try to fly, only to hop about the room. And as they looked closer, they could see that one of his wings was hurt a little. But the mother bounded up carefully, so that it did not seem to pain him, and he was so gentle that he took a drink of water from a cup, and even ate crumbs and seeds out of Piccola's hands. Santa made her a Disney princess. <laughs> even the rats started helping her more off than usual. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially the one with the fat tummy. Boy, Aww. I love that rat. Oh, he was my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> this shirt didn't fit. She was a proud little girl when she took her Christmas present to show the children in the garden. They had had a great many gifts. Dolls that could say mama, bright picture books, trains of cars, toy pianos. But not one of their playthings was alive, like Piccola's birdling. Well, except for that baby that away who could say mama and also said, I hunger for blood. <laughs> no, baby that away. No! no Back! We have fire! <laughs> They were as pleased as she, and Rose hunted about the house until she found a large wicker cage that belonged to a blackbird she once had. Oh, the blackbird? Yeah. Oh, we used to be roommates in college. We'd just watch TV and get high. And I mean, I, there's a lot you don't know about your mom, okay? <laughs> she gave the cage to Piccola, and the swallow seemed to make himself quite at home in it at once, and sat on the perch, winking his bright eyes at the children. Rose had saved a bag of candies for Piccola, and when she went home at last with the cage and her dear swallow safely inside it, I am sure there was not a happier little girl in the whole country of Italy. The end. Rain, reindeer crossing. Hold on. <laughs> Are they all through? Wait a minute. I think, is that it? Is that it? Was that it? Oh, oh. see, you always got to look. You always got to look twice. Yeah. Oh, man. This is, uh. Well, this one's longer than the last one. Yeah, this is, uh, we got, you got a third story to go here. Okay. Whew. All right. This... All right. Okay. So, poor Piccola. She got a bird for free. Good for yeah. Good. She could have kind of done that anytime, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. She could. Hey, she could have just grabbed one from the other side of the fence, but uh, you know, I think we all know what the fence is an allegory for. Right. Artistic metal slides. Our third and final story da -da. comes from the pages of the Railroad Man's Magazine. Oh, my favorite holiday magazine. Christmas on a Flooded Track by Clara Morris. The True Story Series. Railroad Man's Magazine. The only magazine that dares to tell you the true stories about trains. What? You, you want to ask about monorails? Good day, sir. I have an uneventful story about monorails. Do you now? Yeah. <laughs> there are a few situations in life from which comfort cannot be derived. Well, there was that cancellation of happy endings and every time the Patriots won the Super Bowl. But, you know, most situations you can at least get some comfort from. I am discomforted every time my happy ending gets canceled. <laughs> Two full houses and many things of Christmas cheer were waiting for Miss Morris. 
but the flood was unrelenting. Only one consolation remained, but the actress made the best of it. She gathered what comfort she could about her, and she did not act. Finally, a railroad story with no action. Yeah. Oh, I've had enough pulse-pounding steam engine action. I honestly, honestly don't know if I can handle any turkey theft today. It's, it would just be too much, Alan. Hey, remember that guy that looked like a lion? Oh, man. <laughs> it's not going to be as fun as that. Nope. She did. She's not going to act. When the distinguished actress found herself far from the applauding crowds that paid to see her, she clothed herself in philosophy and a pink wrapper and had a very Merry Christmas. True story number 39. Whoa, 39, dude. Uh, okay, what's 39? Dude, what's 39? It's when you do half a 69. Woo! Not, the, the, I don't think the math adds up on that one. But what? It's, uh, it's uh, 39 is not half a 69 if you do division, but. Uh, I'm a virgin. Woo! I could tell from your t-shirt. <laughs> Christmas Eve and the rain was falling. <sighs> so it's a dark and stormy night, huh? Yeah, things are going great so far. No, the rain was, was falling. It was bright as day out. It was a reverse <laughs> eclipse, Rob. Good. I was worried the story wasn't going to go anywhere. The performance was over, and as we were to travel the rest of the night, I hurried back to my private car. Who am I? Tawny Two Tracks, girl train detective. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, I'm complimenting her. <laughs> Tawny worked hard for it. Two telegrams awaited me. One said, A box and several parcels from the east are awaiting you at Fresno. In bed. Oh. Presents and letters from home, I thought. And all the woman in me rejoiced. I am woman, hear me roar. In trains, cabooses, close the door. I don't know if Helen was really envisioning uh, the old rails on with that one, but uh, she knew she knew a hobo or two in her time. She was ready. Yes. No. The other telegram said, "Your houses are sold out for both performances tomorrow." Stop. Also, I'm trapped in a telegram office. Stop. Oh my God! What? Well, you know, this really won't get back to you in time, I think, so might as well not bother. <laughs> All the actress in me was glad. Ah, I love her. She's two-thirds Mae West, one-third Carol Lombard, and 80% that guy who used to say, Yes? I awakened twice during the night. Both times were standing still, and the both times I remarked how very quiet the station was. And the rain was falling. And nobody answered. Not even the chair. No. Call oh, back. No. Yep, call no, back. I no, called it. No. I can say it. As long as please. I say it's call back. No. Yep. Could I get security? Please. <laughs> Hello, I cried. See, really? Stage manager? Well, at least turn the spotlight off. When, after a Greco-Roman struggle with darkness, day dawned. Dressed in a very sunny unitard. Or do you think day and night wrestled naked like in the old days? Is this a serious question? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I just want to know. Moving on. Fine. The rain was still falling and the train was just moving. And to my surprise, it was going backwards. Oh, God. How much did I drink last night? Did I stumble into an Australian train? <laughs> yep. That's, that's how they work, as far as I know. The things that have to have happened for <laughs> her to do that. its That's a movie in itself. Hell of a night. Even as I rang for my first coffee, we came to a standstill. My waiter told me that a bridge had washed away and they were backing to strike another branch road. And that we were exactly on the same spur where our car had been standing for two days past. Hmm. Sounds like a false flag operation to me. 
I bet that bridge is just acting like it's washed away to keep her from meeting John Galt at the end of the train line. It is a number of different references at once. Oh, Oh, no. That can't be, Andrew, for there was a good-sized tree in front of my window, and there was a fence. Clearly we're dealing with some very clever tree and fence thieves here. With all this rain and water, I shall name them the Moist Bandits. Oh, I think we'd all prefer if you didn't name them that. It's too late, I've said it. I am Tawny Two Tracks. <laughs> it's time that Tawny gets what she wants. That's right. Well, lady, the flood is carried away the tree and the fences are all underwater. And the river's overflowed everywhere. Shouldn't she be able to see all this? Oh, oh, I get it. Water blindness. Oh. This, is, this is really a sad story. I think she just has a sleeper car that... No windows? No, uh, she didn't pay for the upgrade. <laughs> the windows are in the bathroom. So you have to go into the bathroom to look out the window. Uh, the bathroom's in the club car. <laughs> you have to get out of your cl- out of your coach, go to the club car, go to the bathroom to look out the window. Is this Snowpiercer? <laughs> I started for the platform, and as I went, I muttered, the wind blew and the rain fell. I stood and looked with amazement. Clearly, these moist bandits have gotten more clever. Quick, to the closest pawn shop to see if anyone's pawned any bridges today. Wet bridges. (laughs) Nothing but water. The rain did not fall in lines either straight or slanting. Literally, it came down in sheets. Low thread count sheets, too. Stupid poor water. Literally in sheets, fitted even. It's almost impossible to fold. <laughs> Just, Just a little double indignity. Hydroelastic bands. <laughs> no earth, no sky, just water, water, and an ark. I mean, a car. Yeah, yeah, a car. I, I certainly don't have dozens of rare endangered animals kept in pairs in my many, many trunks. No, no, sir. Okay, you should keep them not in pairs in the trunks if you <laughs> if you know what's good for you. Yeah, otherwise, you got to entertain them, though. So, you know, so six of one, half a dozen. Mm, it's definitely a dozen. <laughs> the engineer came splashing to us. He was a tiny Yorkie in an engineer hat doing the doggy paddle, so it was totes adorbs. In answer to my question as to the cause of our halt, I learned that the water had drowned the engine and that we were helpless. The man was not at the foot of his class in profanity, for in telling this he cussed with perfect impartiality the engine, the road, the president, the flood, various parts of his own party, introducing little blasphemous trills of great originality. Ah, yes. He was the Pavarotti of swearing. And by that, I meant he ate a 24-inch meatball sub halfway through their conversation. Oh, that is a blasphemous trill right there. <laughs> Finally, he growled in a lower tone. I wouldn't care so much if it wasn't for Mamie and the kid. Oh, I auditioned for that role. Oh, what's that? No, for the kid. How dare you imply that I can play mothers, you brute! Yeah, that was a great... Show. I think that was on after Kate and Allie. Maybe in the Maybe, kid. Maybe in the kid. <laughs> yeah. They've been counting for more than a month on my eating Christmas dinner with them, and I'll have to sit down at the table alone with a blankety blank big turkey and do nothing but sniffle and worry instead of having fun. Look, I'm sure they're sad, but I- I've got a feeling they'll pick up the drumsticks and carry on with their lives. Oh, wait. Maybe it's the poor kid and her mom from the other story. Oh, you think so? Oh, in that case, he better get home quick because he's got some weirdo in his living room. Uh, no, it's okay. They don't have anything worth living for. <laughs> maybe maybe if they went to the movie theater, but nope, not them. Nope, can't afford that. My shock merged into pity for Mamie and the kid. It's bad enough that I'm affected by this, but a mother and child too? Wait, do they have train cars? Sir, do you know how much renting this is costing me? Can I speak to your train manager? Then I had a short, damp interview with my manager. No, I don't want a short, damp anything with my manager. In which I learned something of the wonderful elasticity of the human countenance. 
when it is drawn downward. <laughs> Poor man, how I sympathized with him, for did we not both long for the receipts of the two houses that were sold out? Look, uh, believe me, lady, uh, all 48 ticket buyers of your one-woman show will find a way to carry on somehow. But but I only have 47 friends I goaded into it. Oh, and by the way, Alan, the name of the show, The Erotic Adventures of Agatha Christie. Oh. Yeah. It's it's not bad. It's terrible. It's it's not bad. It's terrible. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. I see. You got me. Yeah. You got me. I preferred Miss Marple, <laughs> if you know what I'm... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. And still the rain fell, and the flood rose, and the train moved not. Hence, more long faces. But no long fences. Damn you, moist bandits! And no friends in low places. <laughs> I began to understand that my Christmas was to be passed here, in this awful loneliness of water. Well, all right. I would make the best of it. Which I proceeded to do. Well, which she proceeded to order her waiter and cook to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I had the two big lamps lit in my stateroom. I read the lesson and the prayers for the day. Today's lesson? How to make a raft from things found in a common train car. Ooh, handy. <laughs> How convenient. She must have a, a copy of... Oh, I think it was the uh, Railroad Ladies Home Journal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rail book. Rail book. <laughs> I pinned on my flannel wrapper the jewel my husband had presented me. What? A jewel on a flannel wrapper? Maki voulez-vous? Gitchy, gitchy, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, a gitchy, gitchy, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, it was Christmas in a car. In the car, in a flood. Oh, actually, um, it's Christmas everywhere. Well, unless you go past the international date line, and you know what? Forget I brought it up. It's it's Christmas. Uh, what have you done, Rob? Another year older, and a new one just begun. God damn it! Why did you do it? I tied about my little dog's neck her new ribbon and bell. Ooh, uh, four days or so from now, that ribbon and bell are going to make great side dishes. <laughs> oh. Come on, we got squashed kittens, and now we're going to do this? <laughs> you said the squashed kittens, man. They had the bird for the main course, and... <laughs> I had a hot water bag at my slippered feet, and a pile of pillows placed at my head. Then I cuddled my morsel of a dog close to my side and opened Balzac's Cousin bit. Ah, yes. Depression with hints of homoerotic themes. Sounds like Christmas in my house. Cheers. And the dog eating bonbons and I drinking coffee. I passed Christmas Day without the sight of a wreath or a tree. The scent of roast turkey or taste of plum pudding. She sounds a little wistful. How many days do you think it is until she ties a stick to that dog's head and tries to steal Christmas from a nearby village? But Allah is great, and Mohammed is his prophet. I had not acted, and that was joy enough for me. Whoa, big twist there. Yeah, no yeah. No wonder she's so cool about missing Christmas. I think the lesson really is here that... uh you know, it doesn't matter what dump you're in for Christmas, whether it's some poor house somewhere, some railroad car stuck in a flood, or just generally... Or all of Italy. Or just generally Italy. Hey, you know what? I think we should probably take a little time, say thank you to everybody. It's been another great year here at Interrupted Tales. It's been a year. That is undeniable. That is, we have the math to prove it. 369 days. 69. Divided by two. <laughs> Woo! Okay, all right, calm down. Well, that story actually wraps up this week's episode and the interruptaganza the whole year, really. Rob, did you have anything else you wanted to say? 
I just wanted to say, uh, enjoy whatever you're celebrating. Have a happy new year and uh, go read some stories. Tell us about them. We need new stories. <laughs> we need. Uh, if you thought Railroad Man's Magazine was a treasure trove, I got to be honest with you, people. We're running. We're running on empty here. <laughs> <laughs> we went from uh, from H. Frank Baum last year to Railroad Man's Magazine this year. Twice! <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in again in the new year for another interrupted... Next, on the adventures of Tawny Two Tracks, Girl Train Detective, The Case of the Missing Caboose. Oh, wait! It's right there behind the train! She's done it again, folks! Another good okay. show. Um, Alan, where did we uh, park the uh, reindeer and sleigh? Oh, oh, I know. Okay, no, hold on. I took a picture of the. Was it in the place it was Next to, uh, ooh, is there, is there a Ford Explorer near here? I don't I see one. The black Ford Explorer. We're right in between that and a Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> Wait, so are they still here? Wait, uh, uh, no. Oh, there it is. There it is. We parked in the tinsel lot. I always get confused. Um, could we park in a funnier lot next time? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>